from the Far East to the Great West. The podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. This episode, we're talking about the 1978 Enter the Game of Death, directed by Joseph Velasco, or Wong, or Kong, or whatever he decided to call himself at that particular time. Uh, it's also starring Bruce Lee and Bolo Young. The plot is pretty similar to Game of Death. Um, it has some extra stuff, like this uh, the sentiment going throughout it about the, the Japanese against the Chinese, and it's got the secret document, so it feels a lot like uh, Deadly Fingers. But pretty much the gist of it is that everyone wants to get the secret document because we find out at one point somehow this document would let the Japanese occupy China again. So it's like Bruce has to fight the levels of the game of death. So, you know, progressively harder, which I'm not even sure is true in this case. But the idea is he does fight through the tower to get to the top to get to the document. It's very video game-ish and awesome in that way. Uh, Michael, but before I ask you the classic question, did you want to say anything about any of the stuff I just said? Well, I, I, the, to be honest with you, the jury's out on Velasco because he may not have been the actual director on this. There's a guy, this guy, um, Nam Kwok uh, Chung, I the think. The Korean he's, guy. Uh, he was, what were you going to say? That there's a well, no, guy. there's a Korean guy. There's oh. two, yeah, there's two directors associated with this, but one of them... I don't think is Velasco. I mean, he probably like Godfrey Ho got his name put on here. There's a, a director, Kwok Chung, who's who Lam Kwok Chung, who's um, did like Bruce versus Bill, and he was a longtime cinematographer. But I think it's him and another Korean guy that that did the directing here. I don't know that for sure. I can just from my time and research on this, that's kind of what I've I've deducted. Okay, and that makes sense because um, when you watch this, this is available on multiple platforms. Um, you can find it out on uh, Amazon Prime. And on Amazon Prime, when it gets to the director, it's a totally different name. It's whatever you, it's probably what you said, but it might not be. It's like, it was like not Joseph Velasco or anything. It was somebody else. And then the um, I, there's a copy on YouTube that has a different director. Yeah, I mean Velasco, you know jo- Joseph Kong is also known by he, his name. He he did a number of Bruce's Bruce Lee's films. I mean you look him up and he's you know Bruce's fingers, et cetera, et cetera. So I it's, I think it's this could be him, but I, from from what I've what I've my research has shown me, it's it's actually not him. So okay. well, know, we'll just have enough. to we'll just have to roll with the mystery director for now. Yeah, is he? Do you know if he's still alive? I don't know that. Um, it, it also wouldn't surprise me because of we're probably we'll talk about this. The nature of this movie is so episodic. I mean, like more than any other Bruce Boitation film, I think ever. Um, you know, maybe Clones of Bruce Lee has a slight rival to it, but this one, I think, it wins it. Okay. And uh, so you never know. I mean, Velasco may have directed a couple segments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could see that. Um, all right. Well, then let me ask the classic. Uh, when did you first see this, and what do you think of it? Uh, I, I, this movie is just sheer madness. I think I, I first saw it in, in uh, it was one of the films I saw at the Lux, and I did see this with uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine. I remember that uh, oh, the nice. first time I saw it. 
And then, I, and then I didn't see it again for a while until it ended up on VHS. But um, it, uh, this is if you want a film that's just sheerly built on fight scenes, it, this is this is the one. It's got like you mentioned in your your beginning there. It's got this MacGuffin, of course, again about the secret document that really has nothing to do with anything in the story <laughs> except to get everybody beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, okay. but I love it for that reason. I mean, it's not a well-made film, but it's it's very entertaining for that for a number of reasons we'll go into. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, so, yeah, we'll start at the beginning. It, it has a great typical. It's the cool opening kung fu scene. It's Bruce Lee up there, which of course everyone always says he looks nothing like Bruce, but it's great just watching him uh, kick the pottery and they throw a little Enter the Dragon theme over it and stuff. Uh, we bust right into. Oh man, you got Enter the Dragon. You got the Spy Who Loved Me. You got. Um, oh. You have uh, Fists of Fury. You get King Kong. Uh, I mean, There's... Bee Gees is even in there. What is? The Bee Gees. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. How deep is your love? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, so the plot starts out right away. We get it's pretty well done. This film in general. But you get this uh, this Westerner that's like, we got to get this document. And he's talking to a Chinese guy who's dressed in a kind of a kimono thing, so he's Japanese. I don't know. But that whole thing is lost on me And when I watch it. Kawasaki. This. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, we got to get the document. So we cut off to a scene of Bruce Lee, and this is our introduction to him, and he's fighting some trees. <laughs> I love that. I love the the. Um, I think it was in. Wasn't the man the myth? It was one of our Bruce uh, Bruce lies as Bruce Lee. He was um, training in that like little area full of like sticks sticking out of the ground. This is very similar to that. Like he's really beating up the bark of the tree to kind of be like, well, what else do I have? I don't have a wooden dummy, so I'm just gonna do my thing. Old school training. Yeah, there you go. Um, but then out of nowhere. Six katana-wielding samurai uh, decide to fight against Bruce. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I'll point out in advance, it's going to be a good 15 or 16 or 17 minutes into this film before you actually realize at all what is going on. Because you realize uh, there's going to, as you're going to go through it, you're going to see it's just been it, outside of this discussion for this document. It then just becomes a bunch of people fighting each other, and you still don't quite get how they know each other or why they're fighting each other for yeah. 15 minutes. There's no good reason, but they introduce Bolo early in this fight. He doesn't have yeah. a full-on battle yet. Like for some reason, he runs off, and the Japanese keep fighting Bruce Lee, and it really doesn't matter. And then the whole thing switches over to Bolo in the ring and we had actual like Chong Lee from Bloodsport. This was like yep. I mean Bolo's at the top of his game. He's super fit and he's just kicking ass. Yeah, and this if for any Bolo fan or people like Bolo, you want to watch a Bolo movie, this is the one. He's got a a role through the whole thing. He doesn't just show up and do his his day job and get beat up and then <laughs> slink off, you know. He he's in it for the long run and uh as a matter of fact, I think the fight at the towards the end with Bruce and and Bolo from if I was to be thrown against a corner and asked to pick I think it's their best fight scene that they ever do together oh wow well let me ask you um out of all of the cameo Bolo fights do you have a favorite off the top well I mean again this is like I said this has got probably the best action between him and um 
and, and Bruce Lay, but I mean, Bolo's had just some great cameos that are just you know ridiculous and funny. Yeah. I'd say the Dragon, the Hero, with his character, yeah. and it's got to be the best. What's you his know, name? King Kong. I mean, it's just yeah, or you know, that's <laughs> that's how they refer to him anyway. <laughs> I love it. Which is great, considering the movie was made like in the late 1800s and King Kong didn't come out until 1933, <laughs> so. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I love him in this, too. I mean, you're right. I put these two pretty similar because when he's in the ring, he's really, he looks great. And he's kicking ass and the choreography's good. And it is just like Bloodsport. Like, whoever, whoever, I don't know who the director is of Bloodsport, actually, but <laughs> I should know. And I've even done a podcast on it on Cinema Bushido. But I don't know off the top of my head. But he saw this, and the first guy he—it's it's fu- David. Uh, I think it was David Worth. I think. I think David- I can't remember. Yeah, I think the two was. Okay, yeah, I think so. He obviously saw know, this I'm movie. Blanket, but go ahead. And he saw Bolo in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and the first guy, he's kind of fighting that monkey style, kinda like he's on his back most of the time and kicking up and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, so you, this is part of this. This this is why this film is so psychotic. You know, you've gone from this. You've introduced this, like we talked about this document, and then we just cut to Bruce Lay walking through the woods, and you're like, okay, who's Bruce Lay? And he just gets attacked. And there's a there's a number of this of scenes in this film that repeat this motif where he's just jogging through the woods and people run out and attack him. It happens like three or four times. And um, so he fights, and then, as you said, the next thing we cut to, we're at this supposed fight in front of this audience, but every time you see the ring, it's completely black around the ring. Like the you know, there's clearly no audience there. And then um and then you've got Bolo in the ring and he's fighting these several different guys and in some cases it looks like he's killing them in front of the audience. Yeah. And they all cheer. Uh, and then of course Yes, right, they all cheer. And then uh, Bruce Lee shows up again, and they they here they here just moments before Bolo was trying to stab him with a sword, and now they're fighting in the ring somehow <laughs> or another with each other. Okay, well I did look this up just for the sake of sakes. The director of Bloodsport was a gentleman named Newt Arnold. He directed three films total. One That's was right. The nineteen sixty two yep. Hands of a Stranger. Number two, Bloodthirst in seventy one, and then he, his last thing he ever did was Bloodsport in eighty eight. So that tells go. me blood. He likes blood. Yes, that tells me with bloodthirst, he was like, right. He was back then. He watched this in the theater and he thought, I can do better. I can do better. <laughs> better with Chong Lee. Well, better with Chong Lee, right? I mean, obviously, he got no competition when it comes to Jean Claude and Bruce Lee. But you know, Bruce is dead at that point. So what do you get? The muscles from Brussels. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was cool. It was cool. He beat the Chinese guy, who was the guy that was to be in the monkey style. Then this white guy comes out, um, this Westerner, just pretty typical karate. So I guess that's our Chuck Norris tie-in. And then a black dude, which, uh, you know, that's our, that's our what's-his-name. Um, <laughs> you're so funny. You're <laughs> you're like, he's white, so he's Chuck Norris. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, as long as, we're, as long as we're contriving all of this... And we're doing the thing. It's like we're setting up Bolo that he's defeating all the bad guys from Bruce Lee's film. So he's from Bruce Lee's. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. So well, then, 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 then I would, then I would have to argue that the the black guy that gets in the ring, Samuel Walls. Yeah, he would be Jim Kelly. Right. That's what I was going for. I just couldn't think of his name in Enter the Dragon. But anyway, yes, Jim Kelly. Yeah. And Chuck or and if you again, and this is going to the- be. Yeah. Right, what's that? I was going to say Chuck or the Canadian, uh, the the French dude from <laughs> Fist of Fury, the Russian. The uh, no, sorry. Okay, he was Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he was, he uh, was from somewhere. Yeah. 
Bob, yeah, Bob Baker. And then, um, so then he gets to do the Bob Wall scene with Bolo. Like, Bolo doesn't even have a chance to hit him. Yeah, and I was just going to say, one of the things, and, and this is noted throughout, but you can particularly notice in this, like, next, this, this sequence that we're talking about lasts for a good six or seven minutes of just fight after fight. Um, but the, one of the things about this, this film is on a number of levels, and I might as well just say it now, there's this, this amalgam of Bruce Lee uh, motifs, tropes, etc. in this film. I mean, to the point where there's no other film that's going to be more a collection of just Bruce Lee-isms than this film. And the choreography is one of those things. M- Michael, when you, see my, when you hear my list, it doesn't stop. Oh, oh. I'm sure it's as long as the movie. I cut half of them. I cut half of them. Because I didn't sure. even throw and, in and you're like, probably Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and you're not somebody that probably is so hyper aware of the choreography, which a lot of people have seen the Bruce Lee films over and over like I have. You're going to notice bit, like you're going to just, you're going to notice c- complete sequences taken from Lee's films. And they are included in this sequence in the, the boxing match. I mean, something's jumping into my head at the moment. But you're gonna you're gonna pick them right up, you know. Why well, throw at that Bob? And you Bolo, did, you did. Also, Bolo is doing the the Muhammad Ali stuff to show he's such a badass. Like it's just right. it's mixing it all together. Yeah. It's soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it's time for Bruce Lee. He came in. He did the Bob Wall thing. That fight, it didn't. It, it started really well, and then it kind of faded out because you know obviously Bolo was getting paid, and he didn't want to be like. Don't show me get defeated right away because we got to fight later. So it, they played it up. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so now for some reason, um, I forget the circumstances to it. But our Bruce, he goes to the Japanese. And the Japanese is like, hey, what you did out there was fantabulous because you almost defeated our hero. So or you did defeat our hero, but not like not hardcore. You didn't kill him. So how about you become my bodyguard? <laughs> this becomes a recurring segment, which is what you were saying earlier. That's why this yes. is so, it's it's a bunch of episodes. It's just like, okay, well, and he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't even know you and I don't owe you anything. And he's like, oh, well, that's fucked up. Now I'm going to get you. <laughs> so pretty much. Yeah, it's like they, they go through a sequence of hiring him and then when he refuses, then it's like, well, we better go beat him up then. Yeah, it's like okay, guys, uh, and and that they they think they can, of course, but they can't. So, <laughs> uh, it was another big Bruceism thing. It's Bruce wearing his white suit, and I also think there's this these levels of this pure Bruce, because Bruce is not on anybody's side, and he's tried to stay out of it all. He just keeps getting attacked, and this movie more than I think more than any of them, is hitting home, like hitting hard with a bat in your head. The Chinese have a duty to do things, and the Japanese suck, and everyone else sucks. Yeah, well, no, you're right, and I think um, on on two of those uh, two notes you brought up, one is the clothing thing. Everything that Bruce Lee wears in this is a replica of something that Bruce Lee wore. The white suit you were talking about is his morning suit from yep. Fist of Fury. Yep. When we first meet him, he's got the black. The black, the t- traditional, you know, black pants, kung fu outfit that you know we see Bruce Lee in Fist of Fury and, and even in um, Enter the Dragon, and then um, and then of course his Game of Death tracksuit, and uh, you know we so we get that full range of outfits going, and then um, and then like you said, he's uh, he's he's um, on the, the note of the, the the fights, 
you know, he's just, uh, that's what you said, right? That was the other thing you brought up was right at the end, right? It was about the, uh, oh, the, oh, no, no, I know what you said. Sorry, my brain got sidetracked. You're, you were talking about the, the Japanese thing. And it's interesting because it's about 20 some odd minutes into the, the film. You still don't know who Bruce Lee is. You know, he's being, they keep wanting to hire him. He's just running around jogging all the time and, and getting attacked. And then, um, Finally, at one point, some one of the characters says, "Well, you're not really Chinese, or you're a bad Chinese, or whatever." He says to him, and then Bruce goes goes home and lies on his nice blue pillow in his bed, and then um, and starts to have these dreams. They're not dreams; he's daydreaming. We see the guy's face going, "You're not Chinese. You're not, you know." And, we, and all of a sudden, that's what we we learn in the film is driven by this anger, but we're not really sure what that's got to do with not being hired by anybody, you know. Yeah, fair enough, because he meets with his cousin earlier, and she talks about duty, and then um, she just kind of, you know, that was kind of the end of that. Um, he has to fight all the guys from the Bloodsport Arena again. Then he gets the two buddies who right. become his best friends, saying he isn't patriotic, and that um, everyone's responsible for his country's safety, which he still isn't buying until a little bit later. The way I saw this, the one I watched... After the guys told him he wasn't patriotic, he wasn't Chinese, he still wasn't convinced. It wasn't until then he was, goes with his cousin. His cousin gives this speech about stuff. And then he's like, huh, that's interesting. And then she runs off alone, and the Japanese with Hitler mustaches come. <laughs> and then the, the bad guy... That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was, exactly. but it was after that's, she... That's the part I meant. I just yeah. thought it was funny. She's like, well, this is why you should do it. And he's like, yeah i'm still not sold on your whole thing and then he's like well okay i'll talk to you later and like like the 40 seconds later she's getting raped in the forest by the japanese guy who it's the creepiest rape of all time he's just and he's like licking her it's so terrible and then, well, it's it's even weirder when she dies, right? She's lying there, she, her head's in his hand, and she right. sticks her tongue out for about ten seconds, and then and then dies. It was a cartoon die. It was like, kind of cartoon die. Yeah, but that's how that's how like common. that's how like dogs and cartoons die. They go. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder what the director was saying. Um. Well, you got raped, but you haven't been stabbed. I don't know. Just die. Stick your tongue out and die. Well, she kills herself. I don't know exactly how. Maybe she oh, swallowed it. I mean, maybe she that's was what later her tongue off. Like that's maybe. what he's... Yeah. That, maybe. That's what, he, that's what he said to the... Remember, he runs into the girl just a little while later and bizarrely thinks it's his cousin because he starts running up to her going, cousin, cousin. Right. And she goes, who do you think I am? And he goes, oh, I was just thinking of my dead cousin. Yeah. <laughs> She died like five minutes ago by biting her tongue in the forest after getting raped by the Japanese. What are you doing? That's right. <laughs> and she hates the Japanese hardcore too. That's true. We realize she's been a plant. She works for the the not the Russian, but what you know the, the whatever he is European, and then we find out she's a double agent. Yeah, exactly. So we get yeah he gets enticed and he joins the anti-Japanese thing. And we have the double agent lady. And this is what leads us, and this is what's kind of, I, I know we're sort of doing a series of these Game of Death films, but this is, this particular one is kind of bizarre and unique in that our Game of Death sequence takes place basically in the middle of the film rather yeah. than the end. Right. And I think it's a good sequence. So we can probably get there now. Um, not much else happens. I mean, everybody's after the document. The Japanese are freaking out. Um, the double agent's the one that's like, hey, Bruce. They're, the document's in this tower, 
and you know you're, we can all help you or something and now he's buddies with the two guys who were shaming him earlier and yeah he goes in and uh <laughs> let's step through our levels of the game of death yeah well and and it's interesting to point out too like with this film um like unlike uh bruce lee's last game of death which you haven't seen this one follows that idea that bruce lee originally had in his story and i'm going to bring a couple points of this up in this which is kind of i've, I've never quite figured out how they they got onto this but this idea of a document being at the top of this tower you know in uh, was something that bruce lee originally wanted to do in his story there's not really uh, any surviving notes of he i don't think he actually concluded what he wanted to do exactly he was sort of borrowing from his script of the silent flute of this you know this this object that he would find and have a you know a, probably a self-realization thing with Ooh, but um in I like that in bruce lee's yeah in bruce lee's last game of death with with bruce lie he goes into the tower at the end but he's trying to rescue his girlfriend and here it's here it's a little more of uh, bruce lee's storyline so oh my god that's brilliant anyway because yeah. you know that's what it was if you look at the silent flute and you look at this there's no way what was at the top of the tower was something significant it was something self-realized you know you said it it was the mirror before he got around to doing the well there and and yeah well not only that but if you watch the game of death footage that was shot that bruce lee did shot he did a series of of um of shots of him going down the pagoda after he's He's whatever he's discovered. You know, he fights Kareem and then supposedly goes up another flight and something happens. But he'd shot image he'd shot some sequences of him going down the stairs looking completely wasted and and beat up and, and so there you know, he knew he was gonna find something that was gonna have a profound effect on him and, and so whatever it was, they never got to shooting it and, and there's not really any script notes that to my knowledge that say, Oh, this was what it was gonna be. So this film though does follow that line of this document that he gets asked to go find yeah and this was more like a cartoon again too i think the director whoever was the director loved watching saturday morning cartoons because like right when bruce is almost at the top level this the dude's like oh let me grab the document and run and he tells we'll get to the person he tells but he tells yeah. the final guy don't let him buy so uh the first guy he runs into i dubbed him rubber ball guy because <laughs> first thing he does is he throws a couple obvious rubber balls at him they may have meant to be metal, but then Bruce Lee crushes them in his fingers. Well, that's uh, you know Lee Hoi Song we saw in uh, Tower of Death and Bruce Lee the Man, the Myth, and Enter the Fat Dragon and Dynamo. Ooh. So you've seen him Damn. a number of times already. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he was good. And again, you know, you have in this sequence that sort of mimics get Bruce Lee's Game of Death some of the choreography, but like he pull, but Bruce Lee pulls out more of a staff but it's not a full-on staff it's kind of like the whip that bruce lee used when he was fighting uh dan and asanto in the um in the first uh floor that they, they nice. well that they shot anyway yeah. i like in this one he does a big brucism which i don't even think i have in my list of brucisms but it's where uh he does the i'm just gonna sit down from way of the dragon like i'm not impressed and he even does the finger like come on bring it on like i'm not even gonna stay standing. well yeah what oh come on what was that from Way of the Dragon. Right, there you go, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, in the, in the alleyway with the fat Italian. I loved it. It was the best. It made me feel so like, <laughs> yeah, you guys can just fuck off because he's the best. Just like all of his, his people. Yeah. 
Yeah, and again, and we said it already. This is this is the Bruceism movie by far. <laughs> it's like they tried to cram as much into here as they could get away with. Yeah, love it. Okay, so he defeats Rubber Ball Guy and he gets up to the one of the best scenes ever. It's him fighting the Snake Guy, and Snake Guy. Tell me, what do you know about the Snake Guy? Well, Snake Guy is uh, Kim. What's his name? Kim Wong Kuk or something. He was in uh, the real Bruce Lee. Nice. Oh no no sorry take that back he wasn't in the real Bruce Lee he's the, that's uh, Kim Wong he comes in at the um, at the end he's the last one that uh, mm. Bruce Lee fights but the snake guy the snake guy which we got to we got to pre warn everybody if you don't like seeing animals getting beat up you don't want to watch this sequence because <laughs> they're tossing cobras and snakes around and choking people with them and and is, and, and the uh, Bruceism which I'm sure you've got in your notes that happens when Bruce Lee first walks in right. Oh, tell me. Um, I don't have that any was? notes. He walks in. There's a snake at his feet, and he steps oh, on it. Of its course. Head, yes. Like Bruce Lee does in Enter the Dragon. And then the actual music from Enter the Dragon comes in at that point. So yes. if you notice that. I don't know why I didn't note that. I guess because everything else got so wacky. I've got the laughing snake guy. I've got snake foo. This guy, like, fights with his fists as, like, cobra heads. <laughs> and then you already brought it up. The snake rope was classic. The guy throws a big snake and it coils around his neck, uh, around Bruce's neck. I mean, it's nuts. Oh, it's brutal, man. Yeah. You will, you will get another snake man in um, Bruce Lee in New Guinea. Okay. Which uh, we'll get to with Bruce Lee, but there's a snake cult in that, so you'll get more snake action. Well, and we can talk. Uh, let's talk about snakes <clears throat> in in Bruce Bruce Boitation films in particular, because the only snake I know of from Bruce Lee films was the snake in the basement of enter the dragon but we have uh we have enter the black dragon or what was it called black dragon's revenge um where there was the black girl. dragon's revenge right yeah there's the girl who had all the snakes that she kept doing crazy shit with them that's right it's a good good uh you know i mean i'm, I'm grant you they weren't invented by enter the dragon but it's a good point is that there probably have been a number of snake appearances in uh you know in fact there's one called the young Bruce Lee that we haven't done with Bruce Lee, where it's it's actually the only film he did where he was playing Bruce Lee, and he's it, but it's kind of, which is interesting because it's a story about him supposedly being Bruce Lee as a young eighteen year old in, in Hong Kong. It's completely fabric. I mean, there's I mean the story has got nothing to do with reality, but he starts learning the snake style from watching a snake in that, oh, in that particular film. Too. I think I know the one you're talking. I think I know this scene. Um, I listened to a podcast once where somebody was covering it, and they were just making fun of the whole thing, obviously. But there was this weird, like, snake thing where he had the little snake and he was sitting by a fire and he just messed with it or something. I don't know. But snakes. Well, yeah, that's actually a fun movie to do to because it's uh, it's got uh, Han from Enter the Dragon. Ooh, and I love him. Who plays his bad, the bad guy? So yeah, you get him in that movie. But anyways, but 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 yes, this this sequence is. This number, the the sequence on the number two floor. Now let's point out too that this this like uh, I haven't actually timed this, but this would be something I should do. <laughs> Is the the um this this sequence in uh what are we in? Enter the game of death. 
in the towers like a good 26 minutes from oh, yeah. beginning to end of him fighting up through these floors. Now, last game of death with Bruce Lights, and I don't think it's quite this long, but it's it comes close. But they really, you know, big a chunk of this movie on oh, just yeah. this tower sequence. Oh, this was nuts. Okay, so let's finish up Snake Eye. There's a point where he bites the head off of his own snake, and then he like flails the snake yep. body kind of at Bruce to put the blood on him. I guess the idea was the venom is in the blood. The venom, right? Yeah, I don't know. It was just really, it was hilarious and gory. And yeah, he just as as uh, Michael said, if you care about snakes, don't watch this part. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't. Okay, so then next level we get to one of my favorites, Nunchaku Candleman. <laughs> Right, which is a little bit of a of a play on you know Dan and Asanto's character, obviously, because this is where we're going to get Bruce Bruce Lee pulling out his matching nunchakus. Mm-hmm. Which obviously, when Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee imitators put on this tracksuit, their their nunchakus have got to match. Um, I, I love that. And so he's, yeah. Okay, so um, one of my favorite scenes in this one. So it starts out. I'll just give you guys a little color here. And that's why I named it Ninjago Candleman. Um, Bruce is nowhere around yet. He's this dude's just up there using Ninjago to knock off the tops of candles. It's like just kill the flame. So he's just bam, 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 and he's knocking them all out. And it's you know it's a little show for us. We're like, oh, he's really good with the Ninjago because he can stop a candle. One of my favorite scenes comes. Bruce Lee's finally up there, and they're fighting, and he picks up a candle angrily. And then he uses his fingers to snuff out the flame. And then he breaks the candle with one hand. I'm like, wait, what? You know, I'd say Nunchaku Candleman was more badass than you. But anyway. (laughs) Well, you know, that that brings up another point, which is one of the things that we'll notice as we go along. One of the things why this film comes across as so episodic and so, uh, I, you know, if you want to argue that there's a film that didn't have a script at the start, it would be this one. Mm-hmm. This, I, I, you know, you know there wasn't. But what, because one of the things that sticks out about it is there is no, there's no kind of concise build up to your ultimate opponent. Like, you know, you usually you'll build up the, the, wor- the, the, the toughest guy, the, the ones like in this case, it might have been Bolo they were building up, except Bolo gets beat by Bruce Lee in the first, you know, eight minutes. Or maybe it's our Kareem Abdul Jabbar guy that'll come up a little later, but it's not. I mean, they picked probably the weakest character to fight last in this film. <laughs> but, it, but it's like this with the, it's like this with the tower too. It's not like they pick when we get to floor number five, which, um, which we were just talking about, um, Kim Wong, uh, cook who he, from the real bruce lee who he fights he um you know that's it's like a pretty easy fight for him you know but anyways yeah you're right i mean this it's sort of like an imbalance i think in terms of how they build these fights up well okay so finishing off nunchaku candleman he brings out double nunchaku so you know you don't see that every day and bruce he manages to disarm him with his matching yellow nunchaku straight from game of death um but at one point, I'm watching this whole thing because Nunchaku Candleman seemed to really love his, like, area. But he ruined all his candles. Like, he broke everything before he died. I was just like, yeah. what a sad way to go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next up, we have the, I called it the Red Room Man. But we've got um, an old Shaolin master. And I don't know, maybe his student who's kind of a, a crazy devil dude. 
So this is why, okay, this is I'm coming back to what I talked about earlier with the Game of Death, the original story that Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee had. Why this is kind of interesting to me is this film was made, I think, in uh, 78. So it was right, or no, no, I'll take that back. It was a little after that, probably about 79, 80, somewhere in there. Um, so, but at that time, we had Game of Death had been out, had just come out. Um, but this film had elements that were a part of Bruce Lee's story that weren't in the Robert Klaus version. And in Bruce Lee's um, version of Game of Death, when he's fighting uh, Jihan Jae, who was the uh, t- the Korean fighter that he was, you know, fights in middle mid- midway up, there was a sequence in his script about the the room being red mm-hmm. and about it being red being the color of death or whatever it was that he had Bruce Lee had in his original notes. And it's so interesting that they have that here in this sequence. They talk about the color red and they, so they uh, how, somehow or another at that time, they were aware of Bruce Lee's notes to his film that, um. that was not translated to Robert Klaus's, you know, film. Which I always, I'm not sure where they got it at that time. And we, you know, I mean, because it, it wasn't exactly widely published what Bruce Lee was trying to do at that point. That's Somebody got those notes. Yeah, exactly. And to people out of that loop, it just seems weird. Um, you got this old Shaolin master laying there. It's weird. He just lays there while Bruce comes in. He's well, like, that's. Hmm? Yeah, that's Chi uh, uh, Chi Ling from Bruce's Fingers. Remember the 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 Hungar yeah, master that course. he fights and yeah. yeah, and he was in Bruce Lee, the Man of Myth. Yeah, he's like uh, Shang Chi. Use your legs on him, and he yells at him because the dude he isn't doing well. But yeah, it was really cool. I liked it. Yeah. Um, the Shaolin master eventually fights him. It was old school kung fu, and I don't know. That's probably most people's favorite fight sequence, I'd imagine, if they don't love the Bolo one. That's yeah. That's James Nan. He was uh, he he's been around forever. He was you know in Five Fingers of Death, and he was in Fist of Fury too. And, and he's been around for a long time. So you could tell they were putting him in like this was the good one. You know, it, the way they set it up, and and it didn't end quickly, as you said. It's like this was all this whole thing was a lot of long fight sequences. Yeah, I mean the last forty five minutes to an hour of this film is almost nonstop, one fight after another. You know. All right, so we get to the top floor. It's time like, again. the 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 dude, he's like the Chinese. I'm uh, sorry, the Japanese dude. He's like he's stealing the document, and he's like, just hold him back. And it's the super huge dude, uh, which we know him from. What else did you say? The the real Bruce, real yeah. Bruce Lee. He was yeah. in. He was the he's guy. The Mongolian fighter yeah. in that fights Dragon Lee. Yeah, exactly. And he, yeah, he's gigantic. I called him the bearded giant. Uh, he was funny. He's what you'd expect to be at the top <laughs> level, but the fight was pretty uneventful. Right, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So there was no document. Bruce comes. But out. we're not done. But oh. we're not done. Okay. You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, we're at the top of the tower, but we're uh, we're like we got yeah. some fights to go. <laughs> right. Literally, he walks outside of the tower to see the Chinese and Japanese fighting. Like he exits, and there everyone's outside fighting. So it's like, okay, well, cool. Um, he sends off his uh, his two little underlings. And he just goes and starts kicking people's asses. So this is now nonstop action. Yeah, and that kind of which is the inverse, in a way, of what Bruce Lee had planned because he was going to have a a number of fights taking place outside of the the tower before he went in. Right. So this kind of just did him reverse. He fights the tower and then gets outside and fights. 
Yeah, and then um, a noun thing happens, which we kind of got like some foreshadowing to earlier. The Japanese betray the other Japanese people. Right. I, well, you know, I think actually the other guy was Chinese. He was supposed to be Chinese, oh, but that's yeah. There's Chinese, the Japanese. There's you know yeah, and so but yeah, of course yeah. He he. My trouble with trying to figure this stuff out is they're all Chinese. <laughs> Well, there's a couple Koreans in here too, actually. Okay. Believe it or not, and Koreans. Yeah. I just didn't yeah, see a single go. Japanese person. I just saw. Yeah, but that you're you're forgiven. It's always kind of you know it's hard to tell unless you can. I don't even know because sometimes it's like, you know, they're, they're, you you almost have to sometimes be of that nationality to really tell the difference. But they they um they're uh, this you know they it's a mix of different people and because the production actually was part Korean, so that's why you have a number right. of Koreans also working on the film too. But this is one of those classic ones too that has like a Chinese person with a big wig and uh, a Hitler mustache, and that's the Japanese. Like this movie, I said more than almost yeah. any other one, it's like no fuck you Japanese. Right, and you know, I mean, they knew they were playing for an international audience too, so they would characterize up these, you know, dumb, like almost like dumb them down for for our, you know, for our us to make that distinguishing, um, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, distinguishing that. Yeah. All right. Well, they take down the samurai. Um, we get finally to the point. I thought it was funny. So the big boss and Bolo escape. Um, one of the one of what one, one of the ones I call the kids. They're the two white shirt guys that are good guys and they're hanging out with the spy lady but they're not you know right they, they don't do a lot um he goes in and one of them steals the document and for a second there in all the copies i have it switches to german for like four seconds and i don't know he, he like yells something. oh interesting yeah he hmm. yells something like take the document and she says something like you're a really good fighter i don't know marco aren't you german <laughs> go watch that part it's like right towards the end you'll see it big boss and bolo are running away and then you'll see the girl and a white shirt guy steal the document tell me what they're yelling at each other but it's about i don't know i i won't go that short it's about 10 seconds of german and my german's pretty good but i can't figure out what the hell he's saying how funny yeah i love that <laughs> and i love that it's in all versions like somebody at one point was like I don't know what the hell they were saying in Chinese, so no one's going to care that it's in German. Just move on. <laughs> well, so and this is, again, where we get into this sequence of fights that go on. There's about four or five different sequences, and he's, and again, going back to what we said, where he's literally fighting people he's either already beaten or have already sort of been diminished. Like, he's beaten Bolo, so he's got to right. fight Bolo again. Then he's got to go up against the, the Samuel Walls, the, the black actor, the, or Jim Kelly, from earlier. He's also right. beaten him. So there's it's sort of like he's re-beating the same guys, and there's no... It's sort of like, well, the stakes are kind of low because we know this guy can kick your ass pretty, <laughs> pretty You're easily. You're right. He refought everybody again, plus the other people, which is funny because, we're, well, we're going to get here right now. He does Bruce versus Bolo, and Bolo's wearing this turquoise kimono thing it's beautiful yeah kung fu outfit yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to say kimono <laughs> anyway um, that's all right say what you like eventually he rips it off to show off how fucking super fit he was wasn't he like the equivalent of like mr universe china i read that somewhere he yeah he was mr hong kong at there one point go. it was even before enter the dragon you right know? yeah that's why he got the jobs yeah and he was like Anybody That's have it. pecs as big as these? Line up. Anybody with pecs bigger than mine, bring it on, because I got the boobs. 
<laughs> As a kid, I was blown away every time I'd see his boobs. I'm like, what the fuck's going on with that guy? Like, his boobs are too big. You know, I was used to seeing Yeah, he had some lower, good, good, good lower packs, man. Yeah, yeah, he had them down. <laughs> okay, sorry for that. Um, yeah, so he... Um, he defeats everyone. One thing I this is why we had the conversation earlier. I thought it was particularly funny when he's fighting. I think it, yeah, no, it's when he's fighting the Japanese racist. He flashes back to his cousin, and his cousin's like, "No," and I'm like, "You weren't there. You were like a mile away fighting someone else. You can't flash back to that. You can only flash back to her saying, I didn't like it, but no, because we were there. So they were flashing back for us. This guy's the worst.'" Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, another funny thing, the girl actually takes the document after all that. She runs straight to the bad guys. <laughs> they take it yeah, out of her it's, hands. It's, uh, and I'm just like, wait, you didn't know of a cousin's house to hang out at? Uh, it doesn't matter. Bruce shows up right at the right time for the finale where Bruce beats all the karate champs, as you said, defeats all the Japanese. And then the big final fight is yeah, with it, the guy that wasn't all that tough. Right, and before we even get to that, we should point out that in this movie, we do get a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar lookalike uh, that ironically is not placed in the tower, which would have been you know, oh. complete in line with what this film's doing. Yeah. They put him in a white gi, and they stick him out on, on the, um, the field. He fights him on... It's a very short fight. It only lasts a, you know, a couple of shots, and he gets on top of him and pounds him up. But it's a gigantic... That, that black guy's gigantic. I mean, he's definitely he Kareem-sized. And, they, and they, use, they use that image, uh, several of these images, prominently on uh, the lobby cards. The original... I have the series... I, I think I'm missing a couple of them, but I have all the Hong Kong lobby cards to to um, this I film. I love that. And they, one of the images, there's a famous image of Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar standing in front of each other. Like Bruce Lee is standing in front of Kareem and he's got his arms out. Like they're like just showing the, the reach of him and Bruce Lee's reach. It was like a publicity photo. They do that exact shot on the lobby card with Bruce Lee no and this guy. Kidding. It's like they're completely down to the promotion trying to mimic Game of Death. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. Well, cool. So in the end, he fights this dude, which he doesn't seem very tough at all. It's like he's kind of like a fake James Bond kind of guy. He's got suspenders. Uh, the suspenders made me actually think of the other guy, which we'll talk about. But I think the character was kind of the John Saxon idea, you know, like this this white, proper British person. But the suspenders were definitely from... Um, uh, what you call it? Uh, Fist of Fury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he, I think he's more being Rob Bob Baker from Fist of yeah. Fury, especially because he does the suspenders slap. Right, he know, does. So he slaps him at himself. Call that. Yeah, but yeah. see, I would say John Saxon. He had more of a John Saxon style because he seemed kind of cooler. Where uh, uh, Bob Baker was kind of he was just a badass. He seemed kind of uh, like a real dick. <laughs> no offense. It's acting. <laughs> acting. So, yeah, I'll tell, yeah, I'll tell John you said that. Yeah. All right. Well, so this whole movie ends. After all that, everybody's dead. Um, I just think it's classic. The end thing is a speech about duty and how he learned about duty. Because they're like, thank you so much. And finally, Bruce is like, you don't have to thank me. He's wearing all white. <laughs> She's wearing all white. Yep. And I learned I need to be, you know, for my country and not against it. So, thanks. Bum, bum. Credits roll. 
Hey, yeah, that was pretty good. A pretty good acting job there. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> there are leaders and there are followers. <laughs> That's my clue. So I don't know what it was. But, uh. So you, so you did it, man. You got into this. Would you now? Would you think this would be a film that if you were going to say? Somebody wanted to say, "Hey, I want to get into these Bruce Bloitation films." That you would you would throw this one on the front of the pile. So I'll say this, yes, a hundred percent. But I'll say it in a different reasons that you would. But it's it's because I'm wrong. But I'm still going to stick with what I'm going to say here. You showed me uh, the Man, the Myth first. It's the best intro ever. I can right. l- I love that Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee as Bruce Lee in the Man, the Myth is the best. Um, and actually, I think the. F- our first first one ever because even though you you even told me man the myth is the one but the first one you ever gave me was deadly fingers and it's wacky as fuck right and when you think about deadly fingers it's like it's two movies it's a movie about these spy dudes and then it's a movie about bruce lee and his finger books and they just shoved them together like s'mores (laughs) this one s'more yeah this one is uh, what i don't like about it is what you said i don't think bruce's real idea um, for the game of death was there to be a special document at the top that had anything about his fingers or about the Japanese taking over China or anything like that. It would have been something else. And that would have been cool right. if, if somebody would have been um, intuitive enough back then to think they like just watch enough Bruce things to be like, yeah, this is probably more like it. And I haven't seen all of the tower movies yet. So this is only my second one. I know, I know game of death, and now, and I know Tower of Death, and I know Enter the Game of Death. Those are my three Tower films. That's right. You're right. We've got right. two more to go. Well, yeah. we got one more to go, really. All right. Well, so we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I, I wish somebody could have gotten closer to what he wanted. Um, just, I don't know. Well, we do know it involved gangsters. We do know that he was a fighter. He gets, you know, they asked him to retrieve the document. When he refuses, they kidnap his sister and his brother, and then he has to go into the the tower to find out whatever that document is but that's more or less you know the general story that we we understood and so this you know enter the game of death touches on elements of that where one we're going to do i think coming up next is um you know bruce lee goodbye bruce lee's last game of death where they they use the tower and the kidnapping of the girl mm. to sort of you know get us in there so it's it's um even though there's nothing no documents in that particular film no and then if you look at the other one like it ta- what's that no no, no, documents. no documents i'm like no what are you people freaking illiterate put a document in the film for god's sake we need a document <laughs> i want a finger book in there a finger book yeah yeah that's right Kung is. <laughs> that's what we need another finger book all right are you ready for my list of brucisms oh my god we're okay you can go quick this is going to be disgusting <laughs> i'm going to go fast um uh, just for you but yeah that's a lot yellow tracksuit the gesturing you know the finger gesturing come here nose flick he does the bruce lee grin the white suit uh double fighting sticks which is an early one he did but that was something he did in the basement of end of the dragon mm-hmm. the cat Good. sounds licking his Probably. blood yeah. after getting cut uh in my list already the snake stepping scene even though i didn't have the note above go. i had it below uh the bob wall scene uh nunchakus in general but whatever uh the face scratches that he had on his face at the bolo scene was straight out of it right. mm-hmm. the come at me gesture Correct. 
Oh, and he did the spinning hands in this. That's what I call it when he does the... Fist of Fury. Yep. Yeah, Fist of Fury. exactly. So as you can see, I could have done 50 more. Yeah, but that was a good that was a good uh, primer right there. So <laughs> it's a lot of racisms. All right. So anything else uh, you wanted to bring up from this? Something I missed? Something we didn't? Well, catch? no. I think we gave a good. You know, if, if if you haven't seen the film, you 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 definitely want to. There was it was a point where a number of these, there was a couple of um, releases of this film. I remember this is early DVD days, where they they only copy i don't know how it got this way was released with this flickering like the whole thing it was almost i think it was giving people seizures and the place got shut down because it was so bizarre and i had a a copy of it and i remember for the longest time you couldn't see this film because the only available um transfer of the film was this (laughs) flickering terrible flickering copy i have a an italian um an italian print of it on 35 millimeter which i haven't watched in ages but um it's uh it's uh, you know one of the ones that um, I'm working on getting uh, trying to get out there. So yes. you know, with any luck, by the end of this year, we'll have this film out there. Yeah, because I think I think it's a definitely a good one to have. It's 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 um, it's goofy. It's t- you know, there's nothing to the story. But man, as far as the the full on Bruceploitation fights, it's you can't go wrong with it. I love it. And by the way, last uh, episode with Jackie and Bruce to the rescue. <laughs> as i call it um you sent me a version after our episode and it was perfect and it's at it's at that um i think it's qq.com which by the way i've now been out there i've jumped down that rabbit hole and there's so much stuff out there to watch but yeah it was really cool it was like really yeah. a perfect copy just obviously in a different language but i got to see all the scenes i missed and it was pretty damn glorious yeah, no, it was a great uh, transfer of it, and yeah, it is all in Chinese. But at least you got to see how much gets extracted sometimes from the uh, U.S. prints. And the quality was so good; it made me want to like take a different one and steal the audio track and put it onto that one. I don't know; it take a lot of time that I don't have. Yeah. But anyway, cool. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm so glad you. No... I'm glad you don't have that that much time. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. But that would be cool. I mean, I feel like I could fix it, but whatever. Um. <laughs> phone number nobody has called us lately so um i'm throwing it out there and maybe i guess i'll keep throwing it out there because you know every once in a while one of you guys has the balls to send us a message come on be like water my friends and send us a voicemail that we can talk about on the show yeah talk about this movie you know they should call they should call up for this movie you know like yeah call up for this movie we'll talk about it next time i mean it doesn't matter that we're doing the next one next time i'll still remember all the good stuff so Call us at 424-257-0344. So, yeah, don't be scared. Jump in there. Do it. Uh, we have a giveaway right now. So we're doing this in a different method. Um, I have four of the top uh, messages about it. Like four people said, I want to tell you my favorite Bruce Lee scene. So, Michael, right now, Choose a number between one and four, and then I'm going to read them to you. And whoever's number you chose is the person who gets you to send them the Blu-ray. Oh, so I picked a number before I hear them right now? Yeah. You don't get to choose the quote. I okay. already promised that. All right. So. I will pick number three. Okay. Number three it is. So number one, thank God you didn't pick him because he already owns this sucker, and he's heard your entire commentary. 
Chris the Brain from one of our favorite action movie websites of all time, Bulletproof Action. He said, I already have the Blu-ray, but I wanted to share my favorite Bruce Lee moment. Bruce Lee versus Snake Man in Enter the Game of Death. Lee is dodging snakes that are being thrown at him, but the best is the snake blood hose. <laughs> He's the best, man. He really loves these movies. It's it's uh, it's a it's a good call, man. That was a good good pick. I mean, like I said, you gotta you gotta not be squeamish around uh, the mistreatment of poor reptiles, but it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely original. I love that we just covered that too. So that was perfect. All right, number two. Uh, Carl Bridges, he said his favorite Bruce Lee is the Ninja Strikes Back, where he squares off with Wang Jang Lee at the end in the Coliseum. He said also has oh, an yeah, actor yeah. in it billed as Chick Norris. Yep, that's right. That's true. <laughs> and that's uh, that one's the, a great one because it's got a full-on, uh, you know, deputy dog cartoon moment <laughs> x-ray shot when uh, Bruce Lee kills uh, the bad guy, so that's great. Oh, that sounds awesome. All right, number three, which, did you say number three? So this is our winner, is Colin Squire. Yep. is our winner? Yeah, and Colin Squire says, my favorite ah. Bruce Lee film is Greatest Revenge. Love the final fight scene with Bolo Young. I'm, um... I'm actually with him on that. I think that's 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 pretty much my favorite Bruce Lee film too. Actually, nice. We haven't done that, I guess. Have we? What's that? Yeah, we uh, we did it. Okay, that uh, was probably number three, okay. number four. Yeah. I'll look back and I'll let you know what I think, Colin. Uh, I gotta rewatch it, but that's cool. Because my favorite Bruce Lee moment, which I shouldn't even get there yet. We're gonna do our 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 favorites right after we finish our fourth. Marco Deem, he left a message on uh, theclonescast.com to one of to our uh, latest episode he said he has two favorite scenes with bruce lee his first scene is the fight against the snake master from enter the game of death oh sweet buddy love it when the snake master bites off the head from one of his snakes and then he tries to hit bruce with the blood it's the craziest thing i ever saw yeah see we're all on the same page that might i guess if yeah me and two other people are saying that was the best it might be the best Okay, that's it. His number two. The second scene is the fight against Wang Jang Li. Ah, from Ninja Strikes Back. When Lei tears out the rib bone from Wang. That's a brutal scene. Well, it looks like we're it looks like there's some commonality going on here. I wasn't aware of. Okay, but then Marco threw on a little bit of extra for us. He said, besides these two scenes, one of his films that's very interesting to me uh, is Return of the Red Tiger. He said, when you look at the DVD cover you will think that it's another Bruce Boitation flick, but it's not. Lei plays a totally different character, a guy who grows up totally away from civilization and becomes kind of an animal man. He finds a female friend and protected her. I was surprised when I saw this one. Yeah, Return of the Red Tiger, it's a, it's a, that's again, it's a Korean-made film. It's pretty, it's pretty wild and zany. You know, we've got uh, Bruce Lei sort of playing a drunken master, or at least you think he is. It's a little bit of a... A character he's putting on but he's doing the full-on drunkard through the you know first half of the movie and uh you'll you'll dig it you'll 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 enjoy it for sure it's got some some good moments for sure mm. awesome well marco colin carl chris uh thanks for the comments uh colin i will be in touch with you on twitter and we'll get you that blu-ray um last thing i have uh this episode's coming out in five days or so so 
Uh, one thing that's happened in between last episode to this episode is that Michael and I, Michael came to Portland, Oregon, and we got to go to uh, the Hollywood Theater here and see a original 35 millimeter print of the Dragon the Hero, which is really cool. Now, Michael, he's as he is, he he was very busy getting the crowd going and checking out what was going on where I got to just sit there and check it out. But uh, I'm going to throw the audio. Uh, he and I, after we watched it, sitting down at a bar across the street from it uh, and just talking about what it felt like. So, yeah, that was it was great. It's like I said, it's it's always I could always encourage people out there that that love these films that you know you're going to develop a brand new appreciation for them if you just get out and watch it with a a faithful group of of fans um and see it on the big screen watch particularly if you get a chance to watch an old film print but even if you just get a dcp like for instance next week there there's um here in los angeles they're screening a a handful of shaw brothers films like five deadly venoms and and um you know a couple of different ones but um cripple avengers i think but uh, yeah, I, I I find that people that weren't around when these things were touring, and I happen to be you know a pretty young kid, but at least I was getting a chance to go see them before they 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 vanished into the VHS world, and it's just an experience you're not you know you just can't you can't beat, and I just I can't stress it enough if you ever get a chance. And, and what's great about your theater there, the Hollywood Theater, and you know we'll probably talk about it on the I remember when we recorded this, but. It just those people there and Dan who Dan Halstead who runs the the that kung fu theater that he does there they're just so supportive they're so pumped and primed and they love it and they just he fills that theater up I mean that theater was I don't know how many seats was in there three hundred or or more and it was packed I don't yeah. think there was more than maybe a dozen seats left yeah know? and think of it think of it this way not one of those people probably knew what the dragon the hero was they were going in based on his I'm putting it on guys show up. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great, man. So that was that was a blast and it was fun. It was so neat to watch too. Um, I, this this was one of my favorites that we've done in our podcast. Um, I'll never forget. Actually, the first time I saw it, I, I, watching it on the big screen, I really just was like, "Well, gosh, yeah, this is it's something bigger and better than even what it was before." But it's such a cool film. So yeah, that was awesome. Well, I guess uh, before you do that, we're next week we're going to do uh, Bruce Lee, um, the true game of death. Um, but but we are going to also, luckily, um, get a chance to do an episode with your first your first guest, right? Yeah, we get our first guest. Um, I don't think we have a date yet, so hopefully, guys, I'm not um, I'm not uh, pulling your leg. <laughs> your kung fu leg uh, but yeah i believe uh we have ian lee uh who's a badass uh he runs a, a show in england uh that gets lots and lots and lots of listeners but he is a huge fan of bruce boitation he's a huge fan of of our podcast and and michael's research into all this stuff so it'll be really cool to have him come on and uh you know show his love uh i think he's a disagreed with us a yeah. couple times over time about you know what we say on this and that but uh i don't know i just love any any big fan of this genre so i'm i'm dying to get his take on it as we go through it yeah and we'll be doing a goodbye bruce lee's last game of death with him and so It'll- that's going to be 
That'll be fine. He picked it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's one he loves. It's one I've never seen. It's one you know really well. So that should be a really fun dynamic. All right, sir. Well, it was a blast chatting some Enter the Game of Death with you. Yes, sir. Until next time, uh, yeah, stay strong. Be like water. Yeah, until next time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, watch the watch the which tower you walk into. Yeah, watch which tower you walk into. Look out for snakes, cause they're freaky. <laughs> good night, Mike. There's always a good uh, good lesson to be learned from these Bruce Plantation <laughs> films. We just finished watching The Dragon, the Hero, an original print, 35 millimeter in Portland, Oregon, at Hollywood Theater. So we are sitting at a bar across the street. Literally across the street, you can still see the sign. Oh, sparkling! Yeah, because they've taken down the. They did. They took it down. I have a picture which will go up with this episode, and you can see it. But yeah, Um, I've seen this one other time. And Michael, how many times have you seen this? Uh, Well, this this is what's so fun about this is this the first time I ever saw a Chinese martial arts film on the big screen was this one yeah I was in San Francisco oh. so it's, this is great because it's, it's exactly the very first we're at in we San Francisco the Great Star Theater and where's that at uh, it's kind of, I mean it's right right in Chinatown right yeah. off yeah I'm yeah. learning because I was just I just spent an extended weekend in San Francisco with the third person of our conversation here Jana who saw this movie for the first time but yeah I, I got to go to the hospital where Bruce Lee was born and they now have like a oh yeah yeah they have yeah. like a plaque for him wow leads us back to here because this movie wouldn't be without him you know, or at least the, in the form that it is now alright so Janet so, it was your first time yeah I was going to say this is great because we got you right here yes you've seen it once yes yeah. well and it was my first uh, it was my first Bruce Ploitation ah uh, this is it yeah I saw I've seen two other Bruce Lee films like I've seen two Bruce with the Lee real films guy. with the real right, guy and, and, the, and I've seen a decent amount of of films that martial arts films martial arts yeah, sure. films that I had never watched before but yeah it's it's funny did it throw you off to see this man pretending to be Bruce Lee it didn't because I expected it, but I. Right. It was confusing that I didn't know which one was supposed to be. Right. Because Michael, wouldn't you say that Dragon <laughs> Lee is the least Bruce Lee of the Bruce Lees? Well, it's funny. At first, I was going to say it's probably a good way to break her in since it's not full-on Bruce Boytation. Right. You know, right. if that movie had been about Dragon right. Lee, it would have been. But he was—he just kind of like, which is what's so weird to me about it, because it's more like a regular kung fu traditional kung fu film that they mm-hmm. dropped you know fake Bruce into you know but to answer your question yeah in some ways he is because he's kind of like his own animal he's like somebody I once read in a magazine about him that he was a combination of the son of Godzilla and Jack Elam (laughs) (laughs) which he probably had if you don't know who they are it's like but he's just like on Bruce Lee on steroids nine times over he is he has the smirk and then when they came out with the, what do you call the fake nunchaku he had? Well, now what's cool about those is I that love in real life, you they're know, like it's, a thumb. It's two, yeah. it's two sticks. He had it on his thumb, which I asked Godfrey Ho about that, the director, when I met him. And he said he was, they did that just because they wanted to try to do something different so it wasn't always nice. pulling out the same weapon. Because so. it had the same feel. Yep. There's a point where I'm just like, ah, Bruce Lee. Yeah. He's like doing the whole routine. Oh, God, yeah. Then he hit them all, and it worked, you know. Well, you know what I want to point out, and that's kind of why we're doing this, is is 
and especially for you because now you've seen it twice you saw it on YouTube I'm assuming or of Amazon or something same copy right yeah the same copy yeah was it in Chinese or yeah. was it in English oh, exactly like that oh okay with the multiple subtitles Dan Halstead runs the theater maybe it was his copy um but the difference between sitting at home and watching it and then going into this theater where it's first off it's gigantic up on the, the, the wall yeah. but you've got this crowd that just responds so viscerally to everything which really makes a difference now, don't you think I'm, uh, I'm asking you I'm oh no putting words in your 100%. mouth 100% it's, it's what I've always talked about with these and it's what you talked about originally that's why I ever wanted this like I I was so jealous of your experience growing up and getting to go to these things with with people like this is a little more contrived because it's a lot of people who are there for the perceived experience right they don't really know what they're into but they're enjoying it I was laughing non-stop at the stuff that was popping up I mean it was like I mean the bad subtitling and I mean Bolo with his bad hair a lot of people didn't know how to even take that They'd yeah like what it like is that funny but it is King Kong and that opening sequence we talked about in our in, in the earlier episode of the Clones cast it's just so funny like yeah. ooh a beautiful melon and he's grabbing his butt yeah. ooh and an extra banana it's just so funny <laughs> and I know and I think the laughter partly is because you're wondering how funny they, there's almost like a laughter to what maybe how they thought it was funny like you're almost laughing because do they really think it's funny because it's pretty damn funny you know what I mean <laughs> totally and uh but yeah yeah it's good but it's but that's what I, I I love about doing it this way is because it's always try to explain that to people. Yeah, you watch the movies on YouTube or Amazon. Oh, yeah, some cool t- technique or whatever or haha, isn't that funny? But when you got this crowd around, there's well a couple of hundred. There's probably two or three hundred people in there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a, a big release. It has that. I mean, I'm not trying to take it too far or this movie but it's like when you go to Star Wars you know and Han Solo shows up you know and everybody what? applauds you I don't know? think you are. it's just I, like that I, it's just like that actually even like more because it's so over the top and it's so much more fun to be in a situation that's so over the top when there's a bunch of people that are engaged with it so yeah oh I was gonna say, I think that's where it comes from yeah and yeah I, I love that you've had that experience but yeah that's where it comes from like people these days they go see the Avengers or Star Wars or whatever and they're all cheering it's because you used to be able to go to the theater that's the only time you got to see it yeah one time you go in this is it and if it's delightful I mean we talked about like the drive-in movies and people up in the front trying to mock the same stuff that Bruce Lee was doing oh oh, yeah yeah it's just great (laughs) or you would see people in your theater like out there like while Enter the Dragon they'd be doing the moves yeah you know it's like the best yeah, and everybody, when I came out of the theater, and everybody's pouring the street, I just actually, when I was walking to the restaurant here, there there was this guy and this girl, and there was like those bike racks down the street here, and they were both trying to do the splits between the bike racks. <laughs> and I said, hey, you guys are pretty good. And they go, yeah, if you see a kung fu movie, man, you just, and then you can just see how charged exactly. up everybody was, yeah. which I attribute a lot of that to John Liu, who was so flexible in his dexterity with the kicks. It's is that who so, that is? Yeah, He's the John best. Liu. He is. He's great. A lot of people don't know this, but That's he, he fought Chuck Norris in competition and beat yeah. him. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, point, point Karai. I wasn't yeah. like, knock him out or That's, something. That's wonderful. That's Mysterious Hands guy, right? Yeah. 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 You could see he was the real hero of the film. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean that they had, they took, when they were doing it, they brought Dragon over from, this is the first movie that Dragon Lee did no in, in Hong Kong because he'd come from Korea. Mm-hmm. And they brought him in to sort of like start 
infusing that. They, want, they specifically knew Thomas Tang and Joseph Blyer, the producers, they knew we had to bring a Bruce in. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can watch it at home and go, God, how stupid is this? But when you're around people that are just getting into it when he's sticking his tongue out and panting and, you know, the crowd going nuts. <laughs> oh, they were going nuts. Makes it so much better. And Philip Coe was great. There's a point where he's fighting, um, Philip Lou? No. When he's fighting at the end, Philip Coe, John, John, John Lou. Yeah, Lou. John Lou. Yeah. Um, He's like a foot, a whole foot shorter than him. And there's a point where they step back and they show it, and I'm just like, oh, shit. But then they just go to town, and the martial arts were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great, and it's, and it's, it's so cool to be able to see it on that yeah. big old screen. It's, it's, there's something fun about the old prints, and they're sort of scratchy, yeah. and you know. There's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah. Well, they, they composed the scene in such a thoughtful way but you don't notice that when you're watching on YouTube like the last scene I wanted to take a picture of it because that was a beautiful composition and also during the, the fight scene you mean? yeah mm-hmm. and at the very end there were a lot of moments where it was like a frozen moment and you don't notice that when you're watching on a phone. you're talking about when Philip Coe the bad guy he finally dies yes he's like one more time He's spitting, what was I saying, coconut water? Yeah. <laughs> and then he dies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's another scene when, like, you can see, there's the hammocks, and you see the freaky dog man, and then you see yeah. the other man. Like, you see everybody, but they're broken up by all of these other aspects of the scene, but it was just so beautifully composed. Well, and that's, I, that's great you're bringing that. In fact, I love the fact that you see that, because I first off, that's another thing that goes back to when we talk about the original aspect ratios of these movies when they're kind of cropped they, when they're filming them they're looking at it specifically because they want this on the left this on the right and this like you said dissecting it but then when you get cropped formatted you know even if it's just somewhat it, it does take away from the, the dynamism of it and, and I always felt that this was definitely Godfrey Ho's best visual film like I mean it, granted it's got this funky editing it's bad acting and all this stuff but but the shooting and the photography and it was at times yeah. really really top of the line you know yeah. I mean it's like you said it was they somebody didn't just drop the camera and say point you know right <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that's cool yeah but great crowd here in Portland Oregon so everybody listening to this has got to go to the, the look up the Hollywood but he doesn't really advertise these too strongly like you know about it it's kind of last minute you peek and it says there it is no you're right and I think it's because you know I've been a member for a while so they warn you as a member to get your tickets pretty early because they do sell out really fast yeah well I can see why I mean people that I mean people know. it was packed I yeah. mean there was probably like 30 seats that weren't taken you know the whole thing which is also surprising, and I think it's because of what this is. Like, uh, I went to the, what was the last one? The Kung Fu Legs. Uh, the Leg Fighters? Invisible yeah, Kung the Fu Leg Fighters, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was sold out days before. This wow. one should have been, but people don't know what they're getting into. Yeah, but now they're going to talk about it in six months from now if he shows right? it again. Yeah, all exactly. Remember it, you know? How far in advance did you get our tickets for... Shogun Assassin was that? Oh gosh, wait, like that sold out within one day. But but it's so iconic. That was my first Mm, of the the martial arts films and it was that was it was amazing watching it at theater because people there were so many people that knew it. Oh yeah. And were anticipating parts and cheering and it was like it was like being at a film like it's the equivalent of a sporting event for like Portland people. Sure, I can see that. Is this like kind of deep Fanness about it, not quite the same way you like. You're 
Like it's in you. No, I would just but... say, like for me, the difference between something like that and something like this is um, Zatoichi and Lone Wolf and Cub are the most iconic of like the Japanese things. So people just go crazy for it. That's like it. Like that, and then you go to uh, Kurosawa. Where when you get into Chinese stuff, it's like there's so. I mean, you saw those um, the interesting things they would. What would you call those, Michael? Like they just post them up before the movie. It was almost like a lobby card was scanned in, so you could just see. Oh, there were lobby cards. Yeah, yeah that's they what are. They were, yeah. So they are just lobby cards. So before yeah. the movie, they were showing on the screen like slides yeah. of lobby. Yeah, yeah. Card, yeah. They just made them into slides. Yeah. But there are movies that aren't particularly popular but I mean once you see them you're like well now I need to see that yeah, yeah. like the dude standing on the other guy's legs as a, yeah it was like cool and I don't know but I also would say this there are so many more Chinese movies out there martial arts movies than there are Japanese movies it, I, I feel like it's like I don't know triple quadruple there aren't that many Japanese films and there are so many Chinese martial arts films well I think the Chinese martial arts films a lot of times are a little more equatable to our B movies in many ways you know the way we in America where I think in Japan though there's plenty of the B gangster movies and they've got some of the B samurais in a sense but I think there was a certain amount of um, integrity that went into them that, that slowed up their production quite the same you know so it does I don't know if there that's is a great way to put it and yeah. I and I feel like that's really sweet of you to say integrity but <laughs> also maybe to... they didn't have as much money well no they were definitely looking for money but I, yeah, mean, yeah. I think there was because you go to Hong Kong there wasn't as many quickie guys with cameras out in, yeah. I think in Japan quite the same way in Hong Kong and Taiwan that you get you know yeah. I think the Yakuza were like stopping them from exploding it all too much. Like they're like, wait, what are you doing? Kill those people and steal their cameras. I don't know. Yeah. In China, it was like, wait, you look like Bruce Lee. It's this white guy, forty years old. Come on over, let's do a Bruce Lee film. Kind of happened that way sometimes. Well, good. I'm glad we had a chance to go do this, man, because this is like every once in a while in L.A., the new Beverly shows them the Arrow Theater. In fact, next week, back in L.A., the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood is doing um, about eight Shaw Brothers movies. Like, they're doing the Five Deadly Venoms. They're doing, you know, which are kind of the cream de la Most of the things the... you saw in the lobby cards are these Shaw Brothers films. It's just like, they're all the, the 47 chambers of Shaolin it's like yeah alright cool it's a lot of badass guys pretty much the big final fight in this is that which the big final fight in this it went on forever by the way it was like 10 to 15 minutes of and that is typical of these things but not typical of Bruce Boitation oh it's not no Bruce Boitation in general it's much more direct you get to the end you have the Bruce Lee lookalike and it's pretty much we're taking things that even if Bruce didn't do them, somebody's done them as Bruce, so we're doing them. So you get Ninchaku, you get multiple bad guys, usually mostly a Westerner, you know, and yeah. That's and, it. and it was this movie on that on that ending note is that there's a lot of convolute, well I shouldn't say convolute, but there's this, you could tell they were saying, now let's go two on one, then let's have one on one, now yeah. we'll put you with Dragon Lee, and then we'll have you two on one, you know, but it, it kind of, I mean it's long, but I think it works out pretty good, because they really spread everybody out, everybody yeah, got, a, got a piece sure. to somebody, you know. Are most Bruce Plantation movies that choreographed? Like this felt so choreographed. Well, it, I mean, yes and no, I mean yeah, in the sense that there's a lot of effort that they usually put into 
these fight scenes to even whether they're good or bad but the thing is with this is you were dealing with that tra- idea of the traditional kung fu movie which is all these animal styles and, yeah. and when you get that kind of choreography sometimes it's a little bit more like stick with the style you gotta get the style you know so I think there is a certain focus on on probably what you're picking up on with well John Liu who's the, the star of this, I used to study his movies all the time there's another great one I wish he had a copy of it it's called the, uh, the Kung Fu Commandos that he's the star of and it's basically just a rip off of all the men on a mission movies for them where they put a team of convicts together yeah. but it's really good I mean if he got it in there they'd, they'd love it but um, I uh, had a lot of fun guys so yeah glad you guys met me here yes yeah good thanks time.